Welcome to Calvary HSM Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. Well, well, amen. Feel free to grab your seats. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Well, welcome to our HSM service at the 5 p.m. If you're meeting me for the first time in person or online, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. And uh, thank you. We here at HSM exist for one reason, that is to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. That's why we are here. That's why we exist. And that's why we're gathered here today to celebrate what God has done in the lives of so many. And um, today, as we just jump into our texts, we're talking about what it means for us to remember who we are. Many times we come from experiences like being at camp on a mountain or in a small group or a worship night or something like that, whatever it is, and you come back with what we call the camp high. You have a zeal for the Lord. You are enthralled with what God has done in your life. And what happens at times is that we live in that space and then you come down the mountain and you quickly forget who you are. Not who you were or who you're going to be. You forget who you are and what God has done in your life. And I think it's fitting for us, since your pastor grew up in Uganda, that we start this message by looking at this image from the Lion King. Yes, deeply spiritual things happening here. But what's happening here in this image or this part of this movie, if you've never watched it, is this, that this, this whole conversation that Simba now has with his father. And what Simba is talking to his father about, he has these doubts about who he is. He has doubts about where he's supposed to be. And Simba is just really having a a whole identity crisis. And in this moment, Mufasa tells Simba, remember who you are, right? And that's, but that's the truth. Did I know the voice? I wonder. Anyway, the point is this. Oftentimes we forget who we are. We struggle. And because we don't know who we are, we are confused and lack identity. And what happens is when you see people all out here stomping their feet, raising their hands, praising God, like lifting their voices, it's because they know who they are and whose they are. They are confident in who God has called them to be and who God is making them. And we are like Jeremiah who says he had fire shut up in his bones and he could not contain these things. We have to live in the place of remembrance. It was so dear to the people of Israel that they had this thing called the Shema. And the Shema really is the word uh, uh, here. Now, for us in our Bibles, we have the idea that we can just go through Mark chapter 1, verse 1, or Deuteronomy this, and all these different things. But back in the day, they didn't have that. They would just say, here. And they'll be like, oh, guys, open their Bibles, the Old Testament, and scroll, 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 scroll through. And they'll look for here. And they'll be reading this verse in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now you might be like, there's a part missing. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's actually in Leviticus, that book where you might actually be like skipping. I hope you don't skip it, please. In your Bible reading this year. But the point is this. It's not that it's missing. It's because God expects and it's almost expected for us to understand that love compels us to love others. That because you've been loved, then you turn to begin to love other people. We are reminded, he's asking them to remember that because they've been loved, they will love other people. Which is why we say here at Calvary that saved people serve people. 
it continues in 6 through 9, that these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, and then tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, put them everywhere. Write them on your mirror. Remind yourself about who you are in Christ. Which is why we say that God's people are people who delight in God's word. But the question is, why does this matter? Why do we need to remember? Why does it matter for us to have this imagery in our hearts or in our minds of who God has called us to be or who is making us who we actually are? Why should I not forget? And the answer is in the Bible. Again, this is where we are. We're people, again, who delight in God's word. These answers are not going to come from Oprah or from someone down the way. It's coming from the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 says... When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig. Like you coming down from that mountain from Hume, having a great experience with Jesus, having met him, having understood that he has changed your life, having felt that change. Like this is not an emotional experience. You weren't just tired. Okay, come on, let's be real, right? Tired people make all kinds of decisions. No one decides for the rest of their life to live and serve God. Who does that? In this moment, he's saying, once you've experienced all the good things coming down the mountain and seeing your life change, wells you do not dig and vineyards and olive groves you do not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says, do not forget who God is. He says, turn your eyes and your heart back to this God who saved you. See, these people of Israel are interesting. They remind me of you and I, where they had what is called the Shekinah glory. Literally, a physical manifestation of God on the earth. It was a a pillar of fire by night and a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day. And they had this manifestation of God moving with them for how long? 40 years, 40 years, not one, not two, Nehemiah 9.19 confirms to us it was at least 40 years. That's the full time they were in the desert. And so for 40 years, they saw God, they met with God, they experienced his presence tangibly on the earth. But they quickly, when they got to that Mount, Mount Sinai, when Moses left for a little bit to go get the Ten Commandments, they forgot who they were. They forgot what God had done for them. And they turned their hearts from God. Even the Shekinah glory, those moments of God moving and touching your heart at a small group or even in this room at a celebration service are for you just to have moments of reminder that God is with you. So the question is, the question for us now is, who are you? Having gone to this camp, having been in a small group, having experienced the the movement of God upon your heart, who are you? Who are you? Again, the question is not, who were you? Or who do you want to be? But who are you? See, when God saves you, he removes the scales from your eyes and he shows you who you are. You recognize that you are a fruit-bearing tree called, like every believer, to maturity and to bear fruit. In fact, it says, fruit that endures, that will last forever. I don't expect any of you in this room to start pulling down your lip like Black Panther and showing me your little blue strip of vibranium to say you're from Wakanda because that's not the case. 
But I do expect us to see fruit in your life because you are a people who live and love like Jesus. And if you're looking at the Bible, chapter uh, Ephesians is a book that shows us who we are in Christ and how we are to live. And it's, it's broken up in these parts this way, one through three. And in your own time, it says who you are in Christ. And then the rest of those chapters, five through six, talks about how we are to live in light of that truth. And there's four things we're going to look at tonight. I'm not a four-point preacher, but these are four things that came out from our, our scripture. That these are four moments, four things for us to recognize as we think about these moments of experience with God. One, that we are chosen by God. Two, we are justified, forgiven, and loved. Three, empowered by this God. And then to do what? To be sent out into the world. Again, we are chosen by God, justified, forgiven in love, empowered, and then sent out. And now here we are, recognizing, number one, that we are chosen by God. The lie the enemy will share with you and even convince you of is this. That one, that God does not want you. How could God want you? How could God choose you? Of all these people on the earth, he chose you? Really? Do you remember what you did last week before you went to that camp? Do you know what you were doing, what you were texting, what you were gossiping about? Do they know about that porn underneath your bed? God chose you? The enemy will try to remind you of that. He'll tell us that, we, that God does not actually love us. How can God love you? Or that God himself did not save you, that you're not worth saving, that that can't happen, that you're so far gone that nothing can save you. That's the lie. But again, how do we combat this lie with the truth? It says this in Ephesians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, Paul was a super apostle. I dare say a gangster. Paul, was an awesome guy. He went to the school of Gamaliel. He was a learned man, a, a, a Benjamite, like circumcised, all the things, an Israelite of Israelites. But when he writes these letters, how he describes himself to his fellow people is, I am an apostle by the will of God. You are what you are by the will of God. God has called you. You are not a mistake. What happened to you is not happenstance. Like you just happened to go to camp. When there's a winter storm, come on, guys, really, let's be real. Like, let's think about that. These things don't just happen. You just happen to be in this room, in this time, hearing the gospel. No. God shows you with purpose and on purpose. And what we see here in 1.5, that was not enough. It says this, that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Hold on. What does that mean? It means that, that you literally make God happy. Like he chose you and it was his good pleasure and his will. It was a good will, but it also makes him happy. Some of us have this idea that God is angry with us. He's like, he's just angry because of what we've done and who we are. and what we've, All these different things. But the truth of the gospel is, no, God is pleased by his people by people who have loved him, people who have been chosen by him. And what happens is this, Pastor Sean shared this morning or this weekend, that God's grace gives you a new identity that forever defines you by who you are in Christ, not what you do for him. In our context, we think so much about what God <clears throat> wants from us as far as what we're going to do. And for us, our identity is caught up in if we have a job, if you have a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, if you get that A or don't get that A. It's about works and what we do. 
But God says, you are enough because I love you enough. And that's it. It It's not based on anything else except God's choice for us. It says this in Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He says, remember that I chose you, not just bringing you in, but now you are family, heirs to the promise. I want intimacy with you. Now, some of you guys have parents in the room, and you know to invite people over to your house, what do you have to do? You ask permission. Your parents don't let anyone in your house. Some of you guys have never had any people in your house because your friends are all, I don't know. I don't know where your friends are. But the point is this. You're either ashamed to invite, I don't know. Okay. The point is this, that bringing people into intimacy into your home is so much so that you are no longer ashamed of where you are. You become a part of the family. Two, you are also a justified, forgiven, and loved person. Justified, forgiven, and loved. The lie the enemy will try to tell us is this, that God wouldn't really give you a second chance. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. That's what he'll tell us. He'll tell us that you can't have a new life, that your old ways are actually who you are. You cannot progress. There's no way for you to change your old person. When you think about this, talking about these Israelites at the Mount of Sinai, there's this guy called Aaron, hopeless, random guy, <laughs> that fool Aaron, dirty guy Aaron. Do you know what happened? Moses goes up the mountain to go meet with God, and Aaron, the, like, the priest, right, what does he do? Listens to all his friends and begins to melt all, like, all the different things, all the gold, and makes a golden calf. Now, Let's just back up for context. Aaron was there chosen by God to speak, a mouthpiece for the people of Israel, to be an intermediary. He's the same person who was there when the, the Nile turned to blood. He was there when the staff turned into a snake. He was there when locusts swarmed the earth. When there was only light at Josh Jackson's house and not my house. Because I'm in, I don't know, I'm random. But there's only light at his house. Like he was there when that happened in scripture. But he also forgets, and he begins to lead these people astray. Exodus 14, 16 says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levites? And know he can speak well. God chose Aaron, even knowing that down the line he might mess up, that he might fall. What does this have for us as a point? Two things. One. That God's purpose for your life is greater than you. Even though Aaron made that mistake in leading these people astray, guess what? He still influences people after the fact. His generation and his family continues to be kingdom of, kingdoms of, uh, kingdom of priests. These Levite people end up being a people who serve the nation of Israel. And the image for us of what it means to be a Christian Your purpose is not just for you, it's also for other people too. God's plans for your life cannot be derailed. Like if God says it, it's happening. When I say he's the big dog, he is the one. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, nothing in between. When he says it's going to happen, it is finished. Like that's it. Your plans for your life are yours, but God's plans cannot be derailed if he says them. So you are who you are because of whose 
you are because you belong to the Father. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because, though, because through Christ Jesus by the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so for some of us, we live in a space where we have this unhealthy fear of God. There's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear of God. The unhealthy fear is like when you're supposed to clean your room, okay, and your mom pulls into the driveway and you're in your bedroom and you've been on TikTok scrolling, 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 taking God's POV selfies, scrolling, scrolling the whole day. And then you say, oh my goodness. You're like, oh my God, my parents, they're here to see what's going on. And then you begin stuffing things under the bed, like all that stuff. Like you're, you're putting like stuff in, in your bed, like as if you have another body in there. Like is that the pillow or a person? It's weird, you know? Uh, but you're, 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 you're having an unhealthy fear because you have a fear of punishment. Now a healthy fear would be this, that you recognize, man, I, I messed up. Had all this time and I didn't do it. And so when my mom comes in, I'm going to fess up ask for forgiveness, and clean my room. Why? Because at the end of the day, that room still needs to be clean. And your parents' most important thing for you is not a clean room. It's a relationship. That you don't fear them, that you trust them, that you have love and relationship with them. God wants the same for us. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. This love, this confidence that you have with God dries out any fear. So what happens is that you stop being a slave of God, driven from him in terrifying fear. Instead, you become a child of God, drawn to him in tender intimacy. You become close with him. This grace then allows us to respond in freedom and not in fear. I've said it many times before, that grace is not fire insurance, it is power to live a godly life. It's an opportunity to take this as a second chance to walk in boldness with this God. First John 4, 17, he continues, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like who? Jesus. That you are like Jesus. He says, remember, all these things, don't have any fear. Remember, I see you as perfect. I see you as holy. I love you because I see you as Jesus. I see you as my son. Three, we are empowered. Now, when I say empowered, let's talk about Aaron, that, that dirty guy, random guy, rando. Jeez. <sighs> Aaron. Anyway, so that Aaron guy. So Aaron has all his friends all this community having conversation with him, right? He's, he's walked with Moses through the Red Sea. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's walked through the Red Sea. In my mind, when I read the Bible, I see, like, whales on the side, and he's, like, looking at manatees. Is that Red Sea? No. Anyway, like, he just sees all these things happening, and he gets on the other side. They sing a song, Miriam's song. They, they praise God, all these different things. He gets there. He hears all the voices of all these people. After experiencing this time with God and seeing his miracles, evidences of who God is, in fact, so much so that the Egyptians said, in some of these, when some of these plagues hit their land, that this is the finger of God. A statement that's made to show that this is really God. No one else could do this. Like, these are God acts. No one else could do this. He gets here, hears the voices of all these people. Like, some of us may come down from, again, experiences of, of deliverance 
from porn, deliverance from, from anxiety, deliverance from all these different things. You come back, then you begin hearing all these voices, and these voices begin to be louder. You take these voices in your heart. See, what happens is you are your best preacher. I could yell and pop a vein every single time I'm up here, but unless you believe the truth of the gospel, that God has saved you and he loves you, it doesn't make any difference. Aaron was convinced by all these different people, and he began to also to melt down the earrings into a golden calf and said, this is our God who saved us. He was called by God, but he also did the same. The question I ask you is this, what have you given power? What are you giving power? As you come back and you experience this time with everyone around you, what are the things that you are giving power to? Who has your ear? Who has your ear? The lie the enemy will tell you is this, that, I can't do it, that you can't do it. You can't live the life that God has called you to. He'll tell you that you're not smart enough. You have to read more Bible and understand the Hebrew and Greek. You have to read the King James. That's horrible. I'm just kidding. I love the, I love the King James. Uh, or I'm not strong enough. You can't muscle through it all. But that's a lie. Again, the truth is this, Romans 1.16 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The point is this. The gospel in itself is power. Okay? The gospel is power. None of you made a decision, and people who are here today, to get baptized and get in this water in front of all these people. There's things that are like really scary for people in the world. Public speaking is number one, surprisingly, not snakes or whatever, right? But being in front of people, to make a public declaration that I live for Jesus. This is a gospel moment. You're empowered not by uh, uh, my voice or my words. I can say things enough and yell enough and all these things. No, the gospel has power. And I would ask you, truly, ask any of these leaders in this room, how do they end up being here? Serving 20-somethings, 40-somethings, living and going to camps and spending time with you and taking you out for coffee and meeting you one-on-one. I'm not talking about people on staff. I'm saying volunteers. These leaders who are spending time to pour into your life, how are their lives changed? Because of the power of the gospel. They believe it. They trust it. They see it. They've experienced it. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. The enemy will try to convince you that you are the old person. The truth is you are not the same person. Remember, 1 John 4, 17 says that we are, again, like Jesus. We are like Jesus. And the question is this now. What should we do? What should we do with this information? What should we do with these truths? When the scales fell from our eyes and the light appeared to us, it says in Titus, teaching us to say no to unrighteousness. What is our response to this God? Well, Robert Robinson tells us, well, he writes this song actually in uh, 1758 at the age of 22. He writes this song and he goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. What's the rest of it? Oh, wow. Praise God. I'm not going to do the rest. I'm a little scared now. Anyway. <laughs> prone to leave the God I love. The rest is a little low, so I'm not going to do that part. But maybe you guys can sing it. What's the rest of our go? How, how does it go? Wait, let's put it up on the screen. 
One, two, three, go. Seal it for thy courts above. The point is this. That in the middle of all those dynamics, he says you're supposed to do this. Acknowledge your brokenness. Don't try to front. Don't try to pro- like try to post or, or put yourself in some little position. The issues that happen in most relationships are this. People are not satisfied with who God has called them to be. And so they try to fit other molds, to fit in other places. For example, I am not Drew Walton. Handsome man. I'm not him. I am not Sophie. I am not Sophia. I am not Jacob Wood. Although I'd like to be Jacob Wood, I'm not Jacob Wood. Okay, this is it. And Jacob Wood is not me. You're not meant to be a Swiss army knife. You're meant to be who God has called you to be. And so to be confident in that is to, to acknowledge your brokenness. And then turn to God and say, God, take my heart, Lord. Seal it. Keep me safe. Guide me. Like David, he says, keep me even from unforeseen sins. He wants to be pure before this God. And so I say it this way. The proper response to finding our identity is in humility. And the words of the famous poets of our day, specifically Kendrick Lamar, he says, sit down, be humble. Like, that, that's... If that was not a bar, I don't know who you are or where you are, but you need to be in Christ Jesus, amen? Like he says, sit down, be humble. Why? Because the Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It starts with you acknowledging your sin and also continuing to acknowledge your brokenness. Your pride and, separ- and your desire to... to, to do your own thing is what separates you from community, separates you from the goodness of God, separates you from all these different things because you say, you know what? I don't want you, God. It says in Revelation that as people are, are taken into hell, what happens is they clench their teeth and gnashing their teeth. And you think when you read it, it's because of pain. No, they're saying, I hate you, God. I don't care about who you are. I'd rather be here than be with you. People don't want God. They don't want God. We are more comfortable doing our own thing. Submission to God is a hard thing. I don't want to do it. My preference is me. Let's be real. My preference is me. But he says, no, die to yourself. Be humble. And oftentimes what happens is the battle is actually in our minds. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Not what it can do or what it's, it, 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 it possibly could do. No, what it should do. He says, be aggressive with this. In humility, but also giving yourself to the word of God. I'm going to ask the people here who have made this decision, are going to be actually in a few minutes to be baptized, to actually stand up. And what do you guys, as they do, I want you guys to just give them a hand clap, congratulate them. What? What's happened, what's happened in their life is nothing short of a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's literally an act of God. And I'm going to ask them as they go out, they're going to get ready and get changed. And I'll just keep working through this text for us. And as they go get changed, you can just turn to this scripture. Again, I've said that we are to be aggressive with it. Beyond this moment of 
publicly professing that God is with you and for you and that your heart is towards him, we are to do these things. One, remember what God says about you. Remember what Mufasa say? Remember who you are. We do this by abiding in his word. What we have uh, in Christianese, having fresh revelation. Like every time you read the word of God, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that there before. I've read the book of Genesis many times. I'm like, oh my gosh, Noah's how old? When he actually like got on that boat? Like that's wild. You begin to see new things in the word. And we're to do this as we read this text. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes, again, I said the battle is in your mind. It may not be other people, but for many of us, we live in our heads. So what are we to do? We are to read these texts, hold on to these words, eat this book, and then present this text against, against the lies of the enemy. So when the devil says, hey, you know what? You're dirty. You're a sinner. God does not love. You can say, back up. Hold on. Sit down. Be humble. You can be like, I don't even know why. Anyway, then he says, you can say, I am not that. I am, in fact, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. With boldness, you can say that because you have that locked and loaded. You're staying strapped, all right? You got to have this word on your heart ready to pull it out. Then you can say, in case he tells you, you know what, that you are never going to uh, measure up, that you will never be anything. You can say, no, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You have this confidence, not because I told you. You cannot survive off of my sermons. You cannot survive after a one-on-one with Drew or Sophia singing with you. Like, what happens after your four-year mission field in high school is done? What happens after then? God forbid I die. What happens then? Yes, another pastor will come in. Sure. But what is your relationship is going to be with the living God? You must have your time with this word and trust this God for who he says he is. When the devil says those things, you can pull out Psalms 23 and say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He can have that in your heart. That your rod and your staff, they protect me. You prepare a table for me, Lord, in the presence of my enemies. When you're unsure, that, Lord, your cup runneth over. Cup of what? Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You can have that inside of you. Why? Because you've chosen to hold on to these truths. My friends in this room, this is a fight for your life. Okay, this is a fight for your life. This is not games. Paul says that I'm not shadow boxing. That's what he says. He says, I run this race like an athlete. I beat my body into the mission to train it to do what, what it's supposed to do for its original purpose. And as the worship team comes up, you can be like a person who says, in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, you can say, oh, death, where is your, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Come on, somebody. Thanks be to God. In the middle of all these things, you can say, thanks be to God. Because it's not my strength. I know myself. I know my, in, my uh, proclamations, the things that I can, my proclivities to sin. He goes, no, thanks be to God. Why? 
He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the next verse, he says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. For some of you, that looks like growing in community. To grow in communities. Trust this God is to grow in community. To have conversations. Some of you guys have not been going to small group because you know that your small group leader is going to tell you to break up with that girl or that guy. Like, that's why you're not going. You use sports as an example or a, an excuse, all these different things. But you know there are, going to be people who, there are going to be people who are going to really address the things in your life because they're for you. They love you. Don't push against the, the, the way that God has asked and purposed to grow you and to love you. There are people who understand you and want to know you. As we wrap up, I want to just share this quick story. There was a, a pastor, a friend of my dad's. He ended up going to uh, the UK for a, a conference. And so he gets on the plane. His ticket's paid for, all this different stuff. Um, he gets on the plane, and it's about like maybe nine or so hours from Uganda to uh, the UK. And so on this plane ride, he uh, ends up, you know, having waitresses walk by, and they give you, like, little things for breakfast, little egg, whatever, and all those, you know, little... You know, snacks, little nuts, whatever. And, and he, they asked him, would you like something? He was like, no, I'm all right. Then, you know, lunch comes around. Usually it's like chicken or fish. Do not do fish in a plane, okay? Just don't do it. Chicken or fish? And he was like, what do you think he said? I'm all right. Now it comes to dinner time, and they have some other meal, mashed potatoes or something. And... Uh, Here's it, you know, smells so good. He's hungry. He sees other people eating, enjoying it, you know. And then they ask him, what do you want? He was, what do you think he said? What do you think he said? I'm all right. He gets off the plane, and there's people there with signs with his name on there. Aaron Kajumba. Just kidding, wasn't me. But he has this you know, sign up there and all this different stuff. And they ask him, how was the plane? How was the ride? And he goes, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm, you can't even believe how hungry I am. And they're like, why didn't you eat? All along this journey, all the things that you, you're, you're having need of was already paid for. You didn't have to pay for these meals. It was already covered. It was ready for you. All you had to do was to stay humble. Don't try to think of yourself more like I, I can. Or That's a false humility to think like I can't step into these things. Like, no, you, just step into what God has for you. He's already paid for it. Walk into it in confidence. And receive the blessing that God has for you. See, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. See, the kingdom is here. That's what he says. The kingdom of God is amongst us. So walk in the confidence, the gifts that God has given us. And see his fruitfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for um, this evening, Lord. And as we begin to uh, move into this time of celebration, Lord God. Lord, help us remember who you are to us and who you have made us to be, Lord. Open our eyes to see that you are good and that you've made us to be more than conquerors, that we are you are our righteousness, Lord God, that you've made us holy, that we are people who are free. We're not bound by people's thoughts or ideas, Lord. We are people who respond to you. So, Lord, thank you. And as we jump into this next time, Lord God, again, help our, our hearts be focused on you, the author, and finish our faith. And all God's people said, 
Amen. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at Calvary HSM 805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.